Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, whilst restarting and rebuilding these channels, I've created a Patreon where if you'd like to, you can support the content. You can choose to join these legends and receive benefits such as bat stickers, giveaways, exclusive Cricket 22 content, a Discord server full of badges, including myself and more. Link in the description. Consider being a legend. Hello, welcome back to the Our Cricket Podcast with a very coordinated Joe Gardner today with a beige hat and a beige t-shirt. And she's looking a bit sad because she's finished her cricket season. How are you doing, Joe? Yeah, I am a bit sad. Bit a bit a bit um I mean we finished on a high, which was obviously great, but like we've just had a chat and it's gonna be like six months till we play cricket again. Like how one, how quick the cricket season goes. Like, yeah, it's like a six-month season and then you have to wait six months to play again. But the six-month season goes three times as fast as the off-season. Somebody tell me how that works because it's just not okay. I feel like I haven't even played much cricket this year. Like, you've definitely played more than me. I mean, I I was oh, I out know, for actually. six weeks or whatever. How many but, games do you reckon you've played then? Uh, okay, let me have a think. Professional games, I reckon. Oh, actually, maybe in uh, Gong. Yeah, that was. Good. Yeah, that that was that um, was my watch on my microphone on. That wasn't for dramatic effect. <laughs> that was that was quite, kind of cool though. I liked it. I reckon twenty twenty one twenty two. Okay, okay. So I could actually check. I reckon. Oh, twenty one, twenty two is a good enough guess. So, so for for what I would consider to be like proper games of cricket, I played twenty one this year. So twenty one league and T twenty games of like proper games, um, and then I reckon maybe, maybe maybe just like another ten on top of like for different friendly things. Um, might even be a couple less than that. You know, like I don't think it's been my most kind of productive of summers this this year but 
yeah, having missed six weeks with your injury didn't really help you a great deal, did it? No, it didn't. But the, I think back then, it wasn't actually that much cricket that happened in that time. I know there were like a few rained off games and everything, but it seems like, yeah, it seems like there probably were quite a few rain affected games that also didn't help proceedings. Um, I did play a club game. Yeah, I reckon like, yeah, like mid mid to low twenties, low twenties yeah. props, which is not it's not too bad. But like, I think back to when I was a kid, and I reckon I would play like fifty games a season mm. because you'd just be playing like every night of the week, at least once on the weekend, like sometimes twice a day. You play like a yeah. county fi- play like a county fixture in the afternoon. Never good enough to do that, Joe. But I, <laughs> yeah, I'll nod, I'll nod and agree with you. And then you go and play like an under thirteen mixed boys fixture in the evening and you wouldn't even bat an eyelid and you'd wake up the next day go to school fresh as a daisy do you know what yeah let's go training tonight for a couple of hours now you wake up and you have to try and work out what part of your body doesn't hurt i don't know how how that works how old are you joe for those that are listening well i'm 26 yeah just sometimes i feel like i'm 86 wait till you find your 30s joe you're in all kinds of strife when you get to that point do you wish like (laughs) do you genuinely wish you you could play more though Obviously, looking past the the aches and pains that you're that you're clearly kind of waking up with at the moment, but like, do you wish you could play more? Yeah, I think so. And you know, it has been better in that sense this year that we've had the extra fixtures. Like, I do think back the last couple of years, it really feels like we've, we haven't had enough. And this year, yeah, it's been great. There's been more. I think you could even probably squeeze a few more fixtures in, but obviously, with not having fully full-time professional squads as yet and there's only what like 10 or 11 players at each region it makes that a bit more logistically difficult so when that happens I think they probably will throw in I don't know maybe another five or six fixtures like you could definitely squeeze some more t20s in like they only take a few hours don't they just is that what is that what you would yeah you would go down that route you would kind of go had a few more t20s into the charlotte edwards cup like maybe think about groups instead of kind of, but then I guess that kind of separates. I suppose the thing is you could have groups, couldn't you? And then you cut down a little bit more on your travel. Like you wouldn't have to go up to Durham to play against the the Northern Diamonds, for example, but you could kind of, well, I suppose you would actually, because you'd be, would you be considered Northern? I don't know. I think we've had this no, conversation I think we'd before. Be, I think we'd be anyway. South. Mm. But I, I guess like, does it, like obviously you're a full-time professional. Does it feel like, does it still feel a little bit part-time in a, in a way? Like, do you look at like the, the men's domestic game and you, you look at the four day games and you look at the hundred and then you look at the blast and then you look at the one day cup and, and you kind of go, I wish I could, like, I wish I was playing as much, if that makes sense. Obviously you're training in the, in the weeks in between the games as well, but I just, just wondered, like, does it, do you get some days where you kind of go, I wish I was, I wish I was doing something today. Yeah, there's definitely been times in the season where you think, oh, I think you could probably play. I, I wish I had like a fixture to play this week kind of thing. Um, it kind of ebbs and flows after. Oh, definitely after the Charlotte Edwards Cup, there was quite quite a decent chunk of time where we had to wait before the uh, Rachel Hale Flint Trophy started again. And you kind of think, could that be, have been a bit, squeezed a bit closer together and things like that but I think there has been some like warm-up games and stuff to try and like prepare people in that time but I don't know maybe we haven't had as many as some of the other regions so it feels like we've not necessarily had 
as many fixtures available to us to play. But then, yeah, you look at you, you do look at the men's schedule, and I, I think the men's schedule is a little bit OTT in that sense. Like, yeah, the the demands that they have on them is significantly more than what we have, especially as we only play white ball cricket and they obviously play red ball, which yeah takes up much greater chunk in their kind of calendar and stuff. But yeah, I think theirs is probably like too far at the extreme end of the spectrum and ours ours is get definitely get like finding a nice middle ground. I think we could have a few more. Yeah. But it's like just trying to find that that nice balance. But um yeah we'll see. Hopefully hopefully next year as that as they did with the Rachel Hayflin trophy this year and in, in doubling the games to fourteen. I think that's a that's a perfect amount for that fifty over comp as well as as we as we saw how the table ended up really like the last few games felt like every, everything was to play for and it's really exciting exciting finish to that competition whereas in seasons gone by not every team's necessarily had that so I feel like that definitely definitely worked for that competition and yeah maybe a few more Charlotte Edwards Cup fixtures next year and see what happens but yeah time time for a bit of a downtime off season reflecting Get ready to go again before it comes around, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll get into that and we'll, we'll kind of talk about the those last, because I think there were three games that you played in between the last podcast and this one. But like from from a like a clubby's perspective, like I, you'd, you'd love to play more like you, you just would. Um, but obviously you're kind of limited to, to Saturdays, Sundays. Sundays at the moment, it just feels like it, it's cricket that really has no kind of, there's no real purpose to it, if that makes sense. Which is kind of sad. Like it's, it's one of those you look a bit, you look a bit like a knob if you try too hard on a Sunday. Um, and equally, if you don't really give it a go, you end up kind of thinking, well, what on earth have I done for my day? If that makes sense. Like it's, it's a funny kind of situation with that. And then obviously, like the T Twenty stuff through the middle of the the summer. It's obviously we all know that that professional cricketer, a lot of grounds have got things like floodlights, which make playing T20 cricket in the evenings just a little bit more convenient than what it does in, in the summer. But like we played in a slam competition this year, which is a T20, um, where you bowl like 10 overs from one end, 10 overs from the other, your run-ups are reduced and it's all kind of like get through this as quick as you possibly can, which is great. And it's set up, I think in groups of six, so you play like five group games um, that aren't like, back like week to week to week if that makes sense it's like you've got a window of to fulfill a fixture um so you can potentially go like two weeks without playing a game and then when you go through the group stages it's one of those everybody actually qualifies for the for the knockouts which is a bit weird so then everybody goes through and you end up with more games so when we got round to our quarter final the other week and we lost on complete kind of merit we deserved to lose we weren't good enough but we played out of ground, which was like the other side of the the South Downs, and it was early set, late August, I think. When yeah, late August because it, the finals day was on the bank holiday, and by the time it got round to like t- five overs into our batting innings, the sun had dropped behind the 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 down, and you couldn't like there was just no light at all, and you're kind of like it's it's not really. It's not that conducive to playing a little bit more, but I think most people would love the opportunity to, to get out there and actually kind of have a bit more fun. Like you say, kind of throw back to those those days as a junior where you're thinking, well, I've got my festival cricket through the summer and I'm going to play every day and I'm going to go training three times a week and then I'm going to go down the, the park with my mates. It's annoying when work gets in the way though, but looking past that, it's, um, yeah, you'd definitely like to play more. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I guess sometimes also in those, because I've I've played a few like men's midweek T twenty fixtures, but they're never T twenties because by the time the game starts, like you say, and then it like even in the height of summer, something happens and it's like, oh, and I yeah. can only play eighteen overs tonight. Yeah, yeah. So like, oh. sixteen overs aside, brilliant. Yeah, it's it's proper rogue. Like back to Sunday mornings playing under 11s pairs cricket, but yeah, no, actually, just on just on the whole light thing. So on Saturday up in up in Durham, it was absolutely miserable up there. I don't think it got any lighter from when I looked out the window of the hotel room in the morning across the course of the day. Like, you just knew it was just going to be miserable and dark grey. And then thankfully, obviously, because we were playing at county ground, they could switch the floodlights on, which was massive. Because it, you, you, you think, like, had that have been played at an outground, which a few of our... Um, Rachel Hurley Trophy fixtures have been, yep. then we probably wouldn't have played, and that game just goes null and void. But obviously, it, it's so good that we, we have the opportunity to play at the county grounds and, and the facilities and stuff that we were able to get that game in um, and ultimately get a result when you probably season's gone by, you probably wouldn't have done. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's just bonkers how how much the uh, <laughs> the Great British weather can affect our sport. And we'll keep talking about it because the problem will never go away. No, in our three-month summer that we get over here. Anyway, like talk, talk us through, talk us through these three games that you've played over the last over the last couple of well, the last week really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so we played against Central Sparks um, last Sunday at Chelmsford. It was absolutely scorching. One of the hottest days of cricket I reckon I've played in this country quite comfortably. Um, Energy gels being brought on, water, the lot. It was, yeah, it was a bit a bit um, clammy, shall we say. But good nonetheless. They by first got 200 and... Oh, how many did they get? 240? I, I, Honestly, I, I, I can't know. remember. Two, I, I can't remember. It feels like, yeah, it feels like it was so long ago. It was literally a week ago. I don't think anybody's going to like call you up on it if you don't remember the No, exact that's scores. true. Um, Abby Freeborn batted really well. Central yeah. Sparks wicketkeeper pretty much batted the entire inning. She batted number three. We got a wicket in the first over. So she batted all the way through, carried her bat for 107 or whatever it was. So, yeah, put in a massive shift for them. And then we were just really, really disciplined in our, in our chasing Um had had some good partnerships kind of all the way through. Three girls getting 50, um, which was brilliant to see. And then, yeah, came in at the end, got a little bit of red ink again, just a little cheeky little eight not out, didn't really have to do anything. And then young Amu came in, five off three balls, thank you very much. Game, set, match with five overs left, I think. So pretty comfortable in the end. Um Maddie, Maddie Villiers had a brilliant knock and yeah, I think she took took one over for like 15 and just, yeah, really like broke the back of the chase, which was good. So got a little win there. Then we went up to Loughborough midweek and played against the Blaze, who were obviously top of the table and had already qualified for like this week in the knockout stages. Um, we batted first, had a massive partnership, 200 for the opening partnership, which was highest score. Highest, highest partnership ever in the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy between 
Grace Scrivens and Ariana Douse, both scoring maiden centuries. Like no one had ever scored a hundred for the Sunrisers before. <laughs> and then Ari comes in in her what her third game and scores the first ever Sunrisers hundred, which was just epic. And then Scrivens backed it up as well. Um, got a little promotion to four. Oh. Because Steady. there was about there, yeah, there were about ten overs left. So it was like right, go in and just try and score as many as you can, try and get us up to like two eighty plus. Um had a little bit of fun. Uh did hit one six and then tried to absolutely launch one, got bold. So <laughs> with like five overs to go, so I just missed all the fun part. But it was yeah, it was good and I was out there when Scriv scored a hundred, so that was pretty cool. What we ended up with, getting with um sorry, with uh, Grace Scrivens, like she captained that under nineteen squad down in South Africa. It was it was the start of this year, wasn't it? It wasn't at the end of last. Like how far? Not to kind of like say that, that she's going to be like the world's greatest cricketer, but like how far could she go? Do you think? Oh, she's got such a bright future ahead of her. Absolutely no doubt. I think I said at the start of this season. Like uh, yeah, she, when she came back from the World Cup, she pretty she dominated that tournament very well. Obviously, amongst her own age group, and she's done really well in regional cricket for the past two years. So you always knew that she was going to go well. Um, obviously, still so young, yeah, just nineteen. She's got yeah, she's got a massive future ahead of her. Obviously, been on been involved with a few of the England A stuff as well over the summer. Done pretty 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 well in those kind of environments, and yeah, like. I have no doubts that she'll be playing for England one day. Um, and it's just great that we have her around the Sunrisers. Um, I think, yeah, she's got such a such a mature head on her shoulders in a cricket sense. Um, she's a bit of a she's a bit of a pest and a nuisance off the cricket pitch, and she won't mind me saying that. Like she's always, she's just so high energy, and yeah, she's always just looking to be a bit of a joker. But on the cricket pitch, yeah, her her kind of tactical nous for a 19 year old is is unreal and obviously her ability with both bat and ball was she's always looking to have an impact so um yeah the the the, the sky's the limit a bit um for her and yeah I genuinely have no doubts that she she'll play for England at some point sorry I inter- I interrupted you carry on carry on with the rest of your your kind of R- RHF roundup yeah so Back to Loughborough, I got out, five overs to go. Flo and Mars came in and just absolutely ran their socks off, hit a few boundaries. We ended up getting 295, which I don't think it's our biggest ever total, but definitely one of our biggest setting, um, which was good. The pitch was an absolute belter, like probably the best best wicket I've batted on all year, to be fair. Um, so... We knew that we needed to to score a lot, like 280 definitely felt like it was par. Um, and we got a few early wickets and then they had a decent partnership in the middle between Catherine Bryce and Georgie Boyce, both passing 50 and then Boyce ended up scoring 100 as well. And then Maddie ran her out, like real crucial run out because they really, they were still in the game with six, seven overs to go, needing 40 odd. And then kind of after we got Boise out, we felt like, we, we always, I think we always felt like we were in control, but it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's not over till it's over. Um, got that wicket and then, yeah, kind of wrapped it up and ended up winning by 30 runs, I think. Um, bowled them out for 200, yeah, 265, I think we bowled them out for. So 
yeah, again, another another really, really good game. Um, and then Saturday, so we went up to Newcastle because we were playing up, up in Durham, which was, it's a long way away, isn't it? It's a very long Friday way night, away. Friday night in Newcastle. Friday night on the M1, the A1, and all the <laughs> other roads that are around it. Got up to Newcastle about 6.30. Um, had a little stretch, nice chilled evening, watched a bit of the rugby. And then, yeah, it was, oh gosh, it was freezing. And, and everyone was just saying how warm it was down here on Saturday. And we were like, oh, can you actually believe it? Like, hope we hope we actually get a game in. But basically, we could have still qualified for the knockout stages of the Rachel Hayflin Trophy had we have won that game on Saturday with a bonus point and Blaze had have beaten Vipers. However, <laughs> we didn't get on the pitch until about two o'clock and all the other games around the country were going on. So we were monitoring what was happening and all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, we the game got reduced to like a 29 over game. We bowled 13 overs. Then the rain started coming down again, like just misly, horrible rubbish. Game got reduced to 18 over the side, by which point Vipers had already beaten Blaze. So we knew that us, all the Northern Diamonds, couldn't qualify. But obviously still playing for pride and trying to get a fourth place finish in in our terms kind of thing. Um, so played a little 18 over game. I think they ended up getting 100 and, 114, but Duckworth Lewis effective meant that we needed to chase 126 in 18 overs. Um, and yeah, it, was, it was just a really good chase, to be honest. Like, we were always there or thereabouts, going at like fives for it felt like the majority of the time. And then I went in and we needed, I don't know, probably another. 50 or 60 honestly I can't remember it's all just a blur and anyway we needed like I know we definitely needed 29 off the last three overs I think something like that and then we needed 10 to win off the last over I got single got at the other end then Flo Miller hit two back-to-back fours we needed one to win and then poor Lizzie Scott bowled a wide and we won off a wide with three balls to spare <laughs> to finish the season. Um, so, yeah, it was just just yeah, just yeah, brilliant that we managed to get a game in and get a fourth-place finish, win all our games in September. Um, just, a, yeah, just, just a massive high to finish on for Sunrisers for the end of the season. And we, we just said it's just kind of the start of our, our journey to being more successful basically um just yeah massive for us to to finish fourth and just really proud of everyone really and great great to be involved in some wins yeah good way to finish the season for sure and i i suppose to to kind of have won that that mini that mini league that mini september league so to speak to have like won four on the bounce to that period of time is is so good and such a good kind of vibe to take through to 2024 as well um, obviously, I spent a bit of time with you guys at, at Radlett uh, Cricket Club the other week, and it's just a, it's a young and it's it's an, it's an exciting squad, which I think is is kind of the the best thing about it. Is, is you you look at it, you look at the talent that's there, and to have strung those four together, I think should provide an awful lot of kind of belief for a young team not just age but also the fact that it hasn't existed for as long as what a lot of the other ones has to take through to 2024 and hopefully kind of develop on that as everybody gets a year older another season older and and go 
go again in 24 and maybe, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe we'll be talking on the podcast about a trophy. You never know. It could happen. That's the aim. That's the aim. Try and get to at least the knockout stages and get to a final stage. That'd be, that'd be pretty epic. Um, especially for those of us that have been around kind of since the start of Sunrise. It's been, been a thing and not necessarily been that successful as a team, but now it really feels like all the groundwork and everything's starting to pay off and we've got some solid foundations there to build on. So, yeah, here's, here's to 2024 and, and what Sunrise's future looks like, I guess. I reckon you, you've had a bit of a good luck charm for us there, Dan, after coming in to record some I don't, content I don't think... and, you know... I I appreciate the positive mindset that you're kind of trying to trying to spread, um, and I'd love to claim some kind of responsibility for it, but I I don't think I can. I don't really think I can. I don't think I can offer a great deal in terms of what I've helped with. But I mean, so long as people enjoyed it, that's the most important thing. But we won't give too much about the video away because that will be coming out in a couple <laughs> of weeks' time. I think Joe, you've got a nine-point lead on me in this race to 100 you're on 26 so you're just over a quarter of a way there in this absolute thriller it's kind of a it's kind of a west brom versus bolton at the bottom of the the premier league from a couple of years ago isn't it it's a real kind of gritty probably route one style kind of game that we've got going on but it's good fun though so what have you got for me this week it's great fun it's great fun um Oh, I feel I feel like this has probably been a little. This one's a little bit trickier than what we've had the past few weeks. But Brilliant. thanks for coming it straight away. <laughs> as a wicketkeeper, as a oh, wicketkeeper, I am backing you. Okay, right. so was traveling back from Newcastle yesterday, and I was sat opposite Amara car, and I said, "Mars, I got got to come up with a t- with a, a top three for our little social media competition." Yeah, damn for the podcast, and she said, "Well." What about test match wicketkeeping dismissals? Oh, no. So I looked that up and I thought, yes, this is great. This is what we're going for. So, <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect because Dan's a wicketkeeper. So he's going to love it. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll enjoy it. I, I won't necessarily big, know the answers, but. Big names. No, there are some some big names. Yes. Not, not real recent, obviously. Um, from a couple of different nations. Um, but yeah, so leading test match wicketkeeping dismissals ever. Okay. Top three. Okay. Right. I, I, yeah, this, this is, this is tougher than what it has been over the last couple of weeks for sure. Let's, let's start with, uh, so I reckon the, I reckon surely one of the blokes that's been on the end of Shane Warner has got to have a few. So I'm going to take a go at Gilchrist. To start with, so that's a solid start. Three points, oh, second I mean, place. Adam Gilchrist, four hundred and sixteen dismissals for him. Now, do I go? How many? Four hundred and sixteen. That's yeah. That's that. That's that's some. That that's more than I got this year. Um, the the le- the and I'll just say number one is almost one hundred and fifty ahead of that. So wow. like that's remarkable. That's yeah. outrageous. Um, can I have a little try with Mark Boucher? Mark Boucher's number one. You nailed it. So I was kind of thinking, I was thinking South Africa, South Africa are good. I know he was absolute dynamite, but I can't ever really remember South Africa. But then I suppose with like Stain, Morkel, uh, Philander, 
Oh, that, that, what a result that is. Boucher and Gilchrist. Happy days. You've done well there, yeah. Mark Boucher, 555. Test so match wicket keeping dismissals. Did he? Yeah. His career ended early, didn't it? Because he got a, didn't he get a bail in the eye or something? Bail to the eye, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, 1997 to 2012 was his test match playing career. 147 matches. See, I, see, I kind of, when I keep, when I stand up, I don't wear sunglasses. But I kind of feel like I kind of feel like I should do because, like at points this summer, like the old bail has been like rattling around the front of my of my helmet, and I'm like, don't particularly like the feeling of that. But then it's a faff. Have you ever tried putting a pair of sunglasses on inside a helmet, Joe? I can't say I have. No, then you don't know the struggles of being a wicketkeeper. Yeah, that's it. It's something I just can't relate to. But I do. I I don't know about you, but I do feel like it gives. I feel like it gives a wicketkeeper just an extra little bit of panache having a like a pair of fluoro sunnies under the lid. I definitely agree with that. I think it mm. definitely adds a bit. Adds a bit of sauce, adds a bit of flair, whatever you want to call it. Last one. Eight points La- so far. Yeah, last one for a point to tie it up on 26. Uh, you said that you did kind of highlight generations, didn't you? You said different generations. So I'd say Boucher and Gilchrist are the same generation. So to me, that says that like the next person isn't going to have played cricket around the time that like, See, I've got Joe nodding on the in the in the camera, so I'm kind of picking this up. Who, like Sangakar? Sangakar is the same. Who else was I just thinking of just then? Dhoni would be the same. Oh, it's, my my knowledge going back isn't that isn't that great. I mean, it could be Ian Healy because if if he got 416 and Warney got like 700 wickets, there's there's a few left to kind of pick up there, isn't there? Let's have a go. Let's go have a go with Ian Healy. Ian Healy. 395 dismissals. He's inferred. You've you've got the clean sweep, Dan. You thought you thought that it was going to be a touch too difficult, but you've absolutely nailed it. So do you know what? Fair play. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To go back to some complete severity now. Let's let's not have fun anymore. This is this is a very serious podcast. Um, what what do you do during the winter? You said like it's long. You said it takes twice as long to get through than it does the summer. You're a professional cricketer. Like, what do you, as a professional cricketer, what do you do during the winter? Yeah, it's a good question, and it'll be different for a few different people. Like, so for instance, last year I I trained with the squad for so we joined generally have October pretty much off. So there's a few people going on different holidays and different kind of trips away and what have you, but join back up with the team kind of end of October, do some fitness testing. And then from that pretty much have a, 
have a physical block of training for the majority of November, maybe a few like skills, one-to-ones and stuff, but but not that much on the, on the cricket front, really mm. until the end of November. So pretty much just all S and C. And then at that point last year, I headed out to Australia at the start of December. To so avoid we the went... fitness training. <laughs> to avoid training inside. Gotcha, um, okay. Doing yeah. cricket, yeah. So I did all the fitness stuff and then I jetted off down under for three months, two months, um, play, played some club cricket out there. And there's a few of the girls that are heading overseas to do that as well this year. So that's that's like a decent option for people if they feel like they want to play a bit more cricket in different conditions and stuff like that. So that's an option. Um, but this year I won't be doing that. I'll be, I'll be sticking around and have the delights of Finchley indoor school to tweak my game make it better um work really hard and yeah get some get some groundwork in um specifically with kind of one-to-one coaching and whether that's batting bowling field and stuff like that so so a little bit more kind of individualized um smaller group training and then as the kind of winter progresses we tend to like have more group sessions then um but yeah, kind of quite individualised cricket stuff for end of November, December into Jan. And then February, I think there's this talk of us going on a pre-season tour this year. So that's something really exciting to look forward to. Um, nice. Nothing being confirmed yet, but it's always nice to have something to look forward to. It kind of gets gets to mid, mid, end, mid to end of January after your Christmas break and you're like... How much more, how many more times can I hit on a bowling machine or do, doing fielding indoors is just yeah rubbish. Like, yeah, not, like to be not ideal. Like, what does the sunshine yeah. look like? So those kind of questions, yeah. Leaving the house in the dark and spending all day with artificial light inside and then getting home and it being dark. I mean, it's no different for anyone else that works in an office, I guess, in that sense. But everyone knows that winter in this country is just miserable, isn't it, really? But... Yeah, there's that. And then I guess go on pre-season tour and that kind of introduces you to getting back outdoors, which is, it all gets exciting again then, doesn't it? So you're like, yes, I can put my spikes on again. Get some fresh spikes. like New stash. New, new stash. Kit, new yeah, bat, like, new pads. Like how, I mean, how many new cricket bats are you going to have for next year, Joe? That, that, that's the, I think that's probably the most important question. It's a very important question, actually. I reckon I'm going to try and get at least a couple. Yeah. A couple of freshies. Get them a bit bigger. Bit of extra wood in there. Um, try and send it even further than I did this year. I reckon I can get a few more sixes next year, that's for sure. Although I did, yeah, I did finish with a couple to, to end this year, so that's that's decent end. Um, but, yeah, so then March, training outdoors, pre-season, focus and then yeah we'll be been to some warm-up games and seasonal start in april again i'd imagine um but yeah that's that's kind of what a rough schedule would look like so bit of a physical block then so some individualized one-to-one group stuff technical work etc um like four or five days a week four days a week and then yeah transition outside kind of when we come back from pre-season tour, hopefully start yeah. of March. You just, so that so would be pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. 
yeah, you've just finished, and I don't, I don't, do I want to put you on the spot? I don't know. Maybe I do, but it might, and it might be top secret information as well. And you might turn around and say, I'm not prepared to disclose that. But with that individual training, and you said about kind of working on specifics for what you might want to improve at for yourself, do you, do you already have an idea of what that might be? Do you, is it already something that you know what it is that you want to work on um, for 2024? Yeah, so kind of. I, I guess kind of the past week or and this week I've been thinking about what I want my winter to look like. Um, we've got some end of season team reviews this week as it, as it happens with uh, our cricket coaches, our S&C coaches, our regional director. So that will kind of help, I guess, guide what our winter looks like and what we want to work on, which is obviously super helpful and, and really good to have that direction. So I'll go to them with a few ideas of, of things that I think is things that I think will help my game get better and also are relevant and specific to what my role is within the team because I think I'm probably a lot clearer on what that looks like for me now so that obviously means I can make my training relevant in that sense like the whole way through um which is yeah super important um nothing major really but just little bits where I think I can just get a bit more of an edge, I would say. And also, I guess it's it's easy to think of things that you want to add into your game at this point because you think, oh, I've got so much time to almost learn a new skill, whether that's playing a ramp, for example, um, or, yeah, getting really good at switch hit, stuff like that. But it's also really important that you don't neglect what you're already pretty good at, Um and just kind of make that into a real, real super strength and, and that being your knowing that that's your your go to and kind of your point of difference in a team, um, as well as having kind of the touch and, and the finesse as well. Um, definitely from a batting point of view, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, that, so this week, have some reviews, kind of work out exactly what it is I want winter to look like, plan that out. And then, yeah, so I like I like I like to have a plan and, and know what I'm working towards. So yeah that that's really helpful for me yeah i like it i like it as an answer keep it all in mind though because after this next part of the podcast we're gonna try and put together a bit of like a like a a, like a self-help thing i think for club cricketers i think that's going to be quite important for what they can do over the winter and there's a few people in the discord have provided some questions and some thoughts as to what you can actually kind of get up to over the winter But I spent a bit of time and I, I, I made a, a, what did I make? A tic-tac-toe graph. Crick-tac-toe for round two of this. It's been a while, actually, and it went quite well the first time. I don't know why we haven't done it since. So across the top, we've got the 50-over World Cup, we've got the IPL, and we've got the T20 World Cup. I was going to put the trophies on the graph, but then I probably realised myself that I would struggle really to know what the IPL trophy even looked like, plus the T20 World Cup. I think I would struggle. I think I'd know what the 50 over World Cup looked like, but the other two, I'd, I'd kind of go, it might be, it might not be, I don't know. And then down the left-hand side, we've got England, Australia and India. So there's the the three by three grid. And as I went first the last time, and as I've made this grid, Joe, I will let you open the batting and I'll let you pick first. Well, as you've said, open the batting, a great place to start would be arguably one of the most inform opening batters that England have currently got. Jason so I'm going to go... <laughs> Too soon? David, David, David Milan, poor bloke. 
<laughs> Darby Milan in the top left box, so England and Cricket World Cup 50 overs. Is that acceptable? Or am I, I meant to say as well, in last the last I, the last World Cup? Is that what you want? Oh, I don't think I've been particularly clear here, have I? I was kind of, I, I I was I haven't kind of specified. I think we need to restart this because I was aiming for winners. Okay, fine. Right, got you. So I apologize. I do apologize, but I should have made that more clear at the start of the game and that's on me. So yeah. Okay, Cricket World Cup 50 over winners. Yes. All right. Opening batter for England, Johnny Bairstow. He's a World Jason Cup winner. Roy. Still not Still Jason, not Jason Roy. Roy. Harsh. Okay. And you're going for the 50 over World Cup for that one? Yeah, so top left. Okay. In which case, I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to try and ruin the England line for you because I feel like that's going to be the easiest way to go about this. So... I will go for, I'll go for a bit of Joss Butler in the T20 World Cup winner in the top right-hand corner, just just to make it just to make it awkward. Okay, that's fine. Um, oh, I will say bottom right corner then India T20 World Cup winner. Surely got to be MS Dhoni. He's got think, to be in there. Yeah, I'm almost certain that that is a... I can double check if you'd like. MS Dhoni, yeah, he captain. He was four not out in the final. So you're in. You're I'm in. I'm not... in. So, oh, shoot. So I need to find yeah. an Australian IPL winner then. Do you know this? Do you know an Australian IPL winner? I, rec- I reckon I'd have a good guess. I don't really like the IPL much, Joe, to, to be honest. So my knowledge no, I can't the... say I watch much of it, but no. I'll just be like thinking of big names that play in it. Okay. And T, oh yeah. I'd... Which means I'm going to have to have a go at it because otherwise I'm going to, I'm just going to say Shane Warne and I'm going to, I'm going to hope that, that they won it in, back in the early days. I've just found something that says that he was the captain of the Rajasthan Royals in 2008 and they won it. So, I mean, I'm assuming that that means he would have played. I'll take it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, there's a bit of a theme going on. And he was captain of the Rajasthan Royals, as you've just said, and he was nine not out in the final. Nine off nine balls. Wicketless as well. Oh, well, snuck we'll under the radar, but he's got another trophy. He had another we'll trophy. It. Right, OK, so you've blocked that off. Right, OK. Yeah, so I need to go bottom left, Indian Cricket World Cup 50 over winner. I think I've got to go back in the day because I couldn't tell you the last time they would have won it. Because I think the time before us was Australia. So then that must have meant it was like 2011. Um, But they definitely won it like back in the day, I'm sure. Because I remember seeing like old pictures of Kit and stuff. So surely Sachin has won a 50 over Cricket World Cup. I think it's a really strong shout. So India's World Cups, the 50 overs, are 1983. Oh, oh no. And 2011. Oh, so he, I, surely he was still playing then. think we can rule out 1983. 
But let's have a look at 2011. I would have thought he was still kicking about at that point. What I've just found confirms it. Oh, you're quicker on the Google than I am then. He said Please he was tell. in the he said he was in the squad. It was a 37-year-old. He was, he wasn't. He opened the batting. Unfortunately, he wasn't not out though. He got 18 or 14 balls. I've got to go for an Indian IPL winner. And I don't think I'll need to Google it, but I'm pretty sure Rohit Sharma's won a couple of IPLs for the Mumbai Indians. So I'm I'm going to stick him in the middle, which possibly is that is that it done or are you can you still I'm, win here? No, I can still win with okay. Australia World Cup winner, fifty over World Cup winner, and then that down gives the left you... hand side. Oh, so that gives I've me left three that... World Cup winners. So I've left that kind of pretty open there. Then you had two chances to win that game. Yeah, and you've blocked off one of them. So I've got I'm going for Brilliant. it now. Okay, well this right, is, this so... is an absolute open goal for you, Joe. Well, I mean, I hope it is. Right. So I'm saying Australia won the previous World Cup in 2015. Did you need Australia, me to confirm or deny Australia that? won the World Cup in 2015. Okay, that, yes. that said with a bit more confidence. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that part of that squad was... No, I'm really doubting myself here and Oof. I shouldn't. There's genuinely like 11 this, people I can choose from. Yeah, there's 11 names in this Australian team. Um, it would be annoying okay. if you gave me a squad player here that didn't actually play in the final because then I'd have to do a little bit more You've got the scorecard up, haven't you? I have, yeah, I have. Okay, so I am just going to say... I have to say Mitchell Stark, surely he Mitchell, played. Mitchell Stark. Mitchell Stark is in there. He won the World Cup in 2015. Two for 20 with the ball and then didn't bat in the second innings. So congratulations, Joe. Big Thanks. Win. And finally, that's that seems like a very valid contribution in a final. Two for 20 in a 50-over World Cup. What can club cricketers do over the winter is is the question, the next part of this podcast. I've had a couple of like a couple of bits in from people in the Discord that are part of the Patreon. Um, first one from Jono, and it goes on to say, is shadow batting in the hallway whilst it hoses down outside a good way to stay in Nick over the winter? I mean, I'm going to suggest possibly not, but at the same time, I feel like it's one of those kind of... It's almost like a... Um, like a subconscious kind of movement that I don't think you can really kind of stop it, but I don't think it provides any real benefit. Yeah, although if um, if you do it with a mirror in front of you, mm. so if you've got a nice long mirror in your hallway and you're shadow batting, I guess you can at least, you're getting some feedback on, on what you think you look like in your head. True. Making yeah. sure that you've got in a balanced position and, you know... Head, knee, feet Shoulders. are all in a nice line. Shoulders. Yeah. Okay, so we're not... So that's one thing. I wouldn't yeah. completely dismiss it. I mean, I, I would agree with you and say that it's probably not the most helpful thing that you could possibly <laughs> do. However, when resources are limited, a little bit of shadow pattern is fine. Yeah. Okay. I don't mind it. Cricket Umpire 86 has said, do you think more club cricketers should take up the courses at local boards? Over the winter, umpires coaching courses as a way to keep busy during the winter. 
Yeah, I, I feel like obviously volunteers really drive the game, don't they? And the cor- the courses that are put on by the ECB are generally pretty good. So I feel like if you've got even a little bit of interest, it's definitely worth throwing yourself in there and and pretty just getting around like like minded people that clearly want to have an impact that's not necessarily playing on the game. Um, and as a result, if you play as well, there's a good chance that. I'm not sure how much with the umpiring, but like, even if it's just, yeah, like the coaching, I don't know, just gives you a bit of a fresh perspective on things, which is always a useful life skill to have, being able to flip between perspectives and things like that. And knowing that what you're doing is is for the good of the game, um, that's massive. Keep encouraging and inspiring people to get involved with the game. Um, Yeah, you're always going to, be of use I think if if you're a coach or an umpire or you're interested in doing some groundsman work like things like that you're always gonna you're always gonna be well thought of and and well respected in your club cricket environment if if you can help out in in that sense yeah and I think you can genuinely learn quite a lot from from the other people as you said that are actually kind of completing those courses with you as well whether that's an umpiring one whether it's a ground staff one whatever that might be I think you can come away like a better a better cricket person having having done that obviously it is a lot more difficult in terms of the playing side of it for for an amateur cricketer over over the winter there'll be a lot of clubs that potentially only have kind of four four to six weeks worth of pre-season nets in in kind of a sports hall before um before the 2024 season starts and it isn't always as easy for people to kind of be able to go and train during the winter or like a self-funded thing either it's obviously is quite difficult but like in terms of in terms of what they could do I, I did try and spend a little bit of time thinking about it I think I think the old kind of fitness the strength and conditioning is probably something that, that's quite an easy thing to do I saw a clip on social media the other day of Lewis Hatchett talking to Joffre Archer and he asked Joffrey, he said, like, what do you think the most important thing is? And he kind of said, like, it, it, looking after your body is going to be like the, one of the most important things that you could possibly do. And I don't necessarily think from an amateur's perspective, you've got to do a massive amount of the, the, the training on that side of it to actually kind of pay um, like dividend when it comes around to 2024. If it's a case of um, becoming a little bit fitter when it comes to your aerobic fitness, potentially that kind of. 53 that you scored last year because you could run a bit longer turns into a 75 or something like that and I think that becomes a really kind of easy thing to to work on if you're obviously prepared to go outside whilst it's raining yeah exactly making sure you're well prepared for all kinds of weather conditions is probably a good one in that sense but yeah you in terms of being able to access getting better from a, a physical perspective whether that's yeah some running, some speed work in the gym. Obviously, that requires a gym membership, but it it's probably cheaper than having a one to one, for example. If that's something that you're that you're weighing up, if you if you can access one to one training with a local coach or or whatever it may be, then that's obviously a really really strong place to start. Um, but yeah, definitely looking after your body is a is a solid kind of way that can will like it it can impact and improve your cricket performance there's no doubt in about that um if that's just going to give you a little bit of edge over your kind of club cricket counterparts definitely take it and the other thing i was thinking of as well is 
kind of throwing back to what you spoke about with regards to the, the kind of the specifics that you want to improve on during your kind of like winter training sessions is I think like you can you can really kind of change your or help your mentality I think with regards to to yourself as a cricketer and I know like from professional side of it like the people that I've spoken to yourself included you almost kind of start talking about like like one percents and you start talking about kind of practicing with purpose and stuff like that and that's obviously a lot of the players at North Ants that I've chatted to the the ex-coaches as well at North Ants kind of all say that same thing like there's no point practicing if you're not actually going to practice with any kind of purpose but I don't necessarily think that works in the same way when it comes to when it comes to the club cricket side of it because the club cricketers aren't at that 90% like the professionals are and they're not looking to go from 90 to 92 they might be looking to go from like 35 to 50 and at that point they're actually kind of just spending some time batting or spending some time bowling makes a huge difference. But something that I found, and it, it kind of sounds a bit weird here because I just completely forgot and didn't really do it in the in the second half of my season, was was almost kind of that mentality of of not really worrying about getting out, if that makes sense. So like that was something that I changed over the course of last winter. It was like, well, I've got out before. I've got a golden duck before. I can't, quite literally can't do worse than what I have done in the past. And it doesn't really matter. Um and that I think kind of freed me up quite a lot in terms of my performance as a as a batter anyway. And as I say, it completely went against my own kind of um, advice halfway through the season and just got shit scared of getting out and ended up kind of getting out of bat and didn't score a run after June. But again, I, I think that's something that, that can be kind of a little bit of, you don't really want to call it soul searching, do you? But kind of a look inside and kind of go, well, what do I actually want to do as a cricketer for, for next year? Because... I mean, ultimately, like you're going to be playing at a level where you're going to be playing against peers. Like you're going to be as good as the people you're going to play against. You might be a little bit better. You might be a little bit worse. But just a little bit of a change in mindset can probably make quite a big difference for for, your, for a cricketer at that level. Yeah, and you talk about it a lot. It doesn't matter what. Again, it doesn't matter what level you're at. Like your, your mentality, your mindset, the the psychological side of the game, as it were, is so important in. In cricket, like you'll hear the pros talk about it a lot in interviews, like how much of the game do you think is physical versus psychological? And psychological comes out on top a lot of the time. So then while we're thinking about what our winter's look, looking like, it's really important to not neglect working on that that psychological side. And as as you said, like with the with the mindset and just flipping it, knowing, okay, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, I score naught. Well, Okay, I've scored naught however many times before. So do you know what actually why don't I think about how many runs I'm going to score? And just having that shift, I think, yeah, like you said, it's it's helped you free up and just probably play your shots a little bit more rather than being a little bit more reserved. So a ball that you might block, for example, if you're going into your limited training sessions that you do have, thinking about, okay, well, can I actually score a single off this ball that I would usually defend or can I really get my hands through through one to score a boundary, for example? Oh, do you know what? Actually, could I hit this ball over the top knowing that I'm a, I'm a top-order batter and they only have a couple of fielders out on the boundary when I usually go into bat? Just little things like that. But definitely kind of tending and taking time to work on on your mindset listening to podcasts are all things that are, are very accessible easy to do that can just help and as you say make help you look inside and and figure out what it is that's holding you back from a from a psychological perspective 
Maybe um, maybe one of these episodes we can do like an agony aunt type thing. Uh, so if if you do want if you if you think that's quite a good idea and you kind of have a question, you, you can join this Patreon. You can post your questions through to this this podcast. We've obviously got a, a, a professional cricketer on the podcast. I'm quite capable of reading things, so I can read a question and you can answer it for those people that might be having some kind of thoughts or theories or, or things about their own game over the winter and what they can maybe work on for the for 2024. Yeah, and I I wouldn't say that I am the most qualified person to provide answers, but hopefully if there's a little bit of advice that maybe you haven't heard before that I don't know I, I'm familiar with or it's been useful for me or I know that's worked for other people, then hopefully that might be useful for you in your in your club career. I don't see why we couldn't do something like that, Dan. Yeah, and ask like hashtag ask Joe or something like that. Yeah, why not? Helping yeah. the community. Exactly. Exactly. I what have do just... you, what do you, I've, got a, I've actually got a question for you. What do you oh, yeah. do? What do you do in the winter? I don't know, really. Um, obviously, like the last couple of years have been quite different with the fact that like making the content has essentially like forced me, I guess, to play more cricket through the winter than what I would have done if I hadn't have been. Um, what my winter looks like this year, I don't really know, um, which is a little bit kind of sad to say, but... I guess it would be in an ideal world fairly similar to that. It would be a case of like I still kind of continue to make bits of video content and therefore will still have the opportunity to kind of bat through um, like November, December, January, etc. when other club cricketers wouldn't be doing so. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be as intense as what it has been in previous years. I think the other thing as well for me, and I think it's it's easier than what you... It's so easy to say it, but but I do genuinely think like the the, the fitness, the strength and conditioning side of it is something that is genuinely important. Um, like this summer, I've not been as fit as what I have been in the past. And that has definitely kind of affected me at points, um, potentially like not been as strong. So therefore, like the fatigue and the muscle comes in a little bit earlier than what you have had in the past, particularly as I think as well, like the, the cardio side of it, you, you run maybe a couple of twos or three or whatever. And you're kind of like, Oh my word, this is, this is getting pretty tough now. Um, so that I think is something that, that I would definitely like to work on. Um, and I think to be honest with you, like from a mentality side of it for the, the club cricket, so I just need to get my mind back to where it was at the start of the, the year, if that makes sense. I don't really want to change a great deal else. I'm very happy with my wicket keeping. Um, like I really enjoy that. I think that's that's really that's a really fun part to to be a really a fun. A re, it's just a really fun part to be of a team. I think being a wicketkeeper. Um, but yeah, the batting side of it, I think it is kind of go back to that kind of thought process of um, just go out there and and kind of back myself to know that to know that I can play the shots that that I want to play rather than kind of think. Oh, if I get out now, like the team's in a bit of trouble uh, and this, that and the other, which is kind of where I was. And I think I said to you like earlier on in this season, like it was the first time I'd got to where I'd been kind of like, oh, my average is actually all right. Um, and you're kind of sitting there and you're kind of thinking, you're just like, well, I've got to get like 40 here. Otherwise, like my average is going to go down. And I, like, I've never, ever had that in a, in, a, in a situation. Like, it's always been a case of, well, if I get 20, like, 20 is going to make my numbers go up a little bit. Whereas I think after about the first month, it was like, shit, I've got to go out there and score 45 if I'm actually going to try and keep, keep my numbers where they are. And I think that definitely does kind of play on your mind a little bit. 
Yeah, like, and I guess you. It sounds like you almost had to find out the hard way, in that, knowing that if you have a brilliant start to next season, almost trying to detach the numbers from the process that you were going through. That's obviously got you the success, um, and just trying to stay fixated on that. But obviously, it's it's tough, isn't it? Because everyone out there, like whether they like it or not probably does look at the stats like and look at their stats like even if it's like secretly you're like oh well I've done so well already like it'd be a shame if 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 I drop below that standard but the the nature of cricket is that you're gonna you're, you're gonna fail at some point like and it's just how you how you manage that is what's probably quite important knowing that if you've had a run of five or six really good games almost accepting that it's not necessarily going to be that good in that seventh game. And if it is good in that seventh game, then great. But in the eighth, like, you've just got to try and not get too ahead of yourself and yeah. really kind of ride the wave, but not, yeah, I guess just get too far ahead of yourself and just stick to the process that you've gone through that's made you successful in that first place. But it is difficult. There's there's absolutely no doubt in that whatsoever. <laughs> no, it is. And I think that that's something that's kind of nice to hear is and it is a consistent theme throughout kind of throughout the tiers of cricket whether you're an international cricketer, whether you're whether you've won trophies, whether you've like got those million dollar contracts or whether you are kind of paying 7 pound a week to to play for your local cricket club in like div 13 of your county standards is you know you know full well that cricket is going to come back and bite you on the ass at some point you know that luck comes around. And I think what's sometimes quite difficult to see is uh, not so much in the professional game because those kind of half chances aren't missed, but you definitely get a vibe that there's cricketers out there that you kind of go, how on earth have you been dropped three times again this week? Like how, but you know, you know, it's going to come back. You know, you are going to get an innings of yourself where you're going to go, well, that, that one's going to go down. That half chance is going to go down. I'm going to get a life. It might be a case of like the, the further up you go, it might be, or there might be a little bit of a misfield that, that kind of gets you through to a milestone that, that you maybe didn't get the week before, but it does come back around. And like, I do think, I do think that mother cricket thing is, is genuinely a thing. Um, like I really do believe it, uh, that, that it is there and it is kind of like constantly watch, watching over you. And it does feel like if you, if you do respect it, if you do respect the sport, it is actually going to to kind of pat you on the back and and kind of work with you. Whereas I think the second that you the second that you start losing the respect for that game, I kind of feel like it does it does come back and it does bite you. Whether that's like you've stropped when you've got out and you've launched your cricket bat over the other side of the field, like it kind of feels like it's a harder place to get yourself back out of if rather than if you just kind of go oh, well, it happens. And you walk off, you clear, clear mind, you come back out like the next week and you're like, well, I'm good to go again. Um, I do think that's a massive thing. Yeah, and even if it's a bit of, I guess, placebo in that sense, that because you've been so accepting of whatever it is that's happened, then like you say, the next week you're like, oh, well, do you know what? Oh, well, they've dropped a chance this week. Oh, maybe that was because I was so chill about it last week like or or there's the flip side of it yeah like you say you you throw a strop or you say oh well, what terrible decision rah, 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 moaning about the umpire and yeah it might have been a terrible decision but if you just accept it for what it is yeah then you never know 
if you're an all-rounder, if you're a bowler, say, you might get a decision that actually works in your favour the following week. It's little things like that. I think, as you say, like the game keeps the score, doesn't it, a little bit. And if you can just if you can just get your head around that and, and know that, yeah, like something rubbish might have happened. But if, if you just kind of stick with it and accept that it is what it is, you know what, I've got another however many chances and opportunities to to take when they come my way, then I'm, I'm yeah, just going to take the next one, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Joe, we've chatted for over an hour. So I think we might have to save the England squad for for next week. Otherwise, this is going to be like an hour and a half long and that's <laughs> going to be, that's going to take some serious time to go through. So thank you very much for having a chat through with those bits and bobs. Uh, one last question with regards to what you can do over the winter is from Matt Carver. Um, is playing cricket 24 a good way to keep the cricket bug? I know you, you, you love a bit of football manager. I don't quite think you've got sad enough yet to kind of get involved with the cricket side of it, but I would turn around and say, no, I, I don't, I don't think, a, I don't think so. But I mean, if, if a Joe Gardner career mode is, is kind of something that you, that you want to do, then, then you go for it. If he, if he plays as a Trent Rockets, then he can yeah. make me better as a batter if he wants. There you go. There's your challenge, Matt. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.